Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 505 Podcast. We are back with a very special guest, a close friend of the podcast. He is an ex-professional hockey player turned entrepreneur, creator, TikTok guru, guru, and agency owner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome JT Barnett. What up? What up? We're welcome. S- we're so excited Dude, to have we've, you. We've been waiting for this one for a while. I'm stoked too. This uh, this stoked. was like top of my list to get you on this podcast from the time that we met back in in quarantine mm-hmm. at the honey house yeah and now we're here Let's go. how long ago was that a year oh no dude year that's and a like half? two no two it's been two years since we were in honey house oh my gosh crazy insane crazy we got a lot to unpack yeah. today yeah we do before we start though we're gonna need you to hit a little one-handed okay. can open so shout out poppy <sighs> yeah yep can yeah, we talk yeah. about yeah 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 your, yeah. your connection, yeah, your connection Jeez, to poppy uh five grams of sugar healthy soda for you prebiotic healing your gut while you're enjoying a nice soda they have tons of different flavors uh, my sister does work for them if you guys need any poppy hit me up i'll tell her to send you some stock you right up so i'm gonna what do i gotta do here you just can't touch the table that's it'll disqualify you so it has to be lifted off okay. and clean just a clean crack and we're gonna rank you one, yeah, out, one, out, out, of one out of ten here yeah. we go yep oh there's a dent Oh, there's a fat dent in the side okay, of that can. How did I, I feel like I crushed it. Oh, though. Y- you know, it wasn't good to me. <laughs> there's a huge dent in the side of the can. We're going to lob out a six. Is there a dent? No, there's just the, the largest there. dent in all the you land. Just, I don't think you guys see can. a dent in this. <laughs> that looked pretty good to just me. Just a nice 6.2 out of 10 to start off. Oh, we'll get we'll bump it up to a 7.2 just for the, for the no dent. Cool. <laughs> that was good That's stuff. That's great. You were just at Coachella. Mm-hmm. How was it? Amazing. This year at Coachella... Do you know what we did at Coachella this I year? I did. Yeah. House so. of 17 people. Wow. Two Which, houses next door to each other. So I'm really jealous because I went with Chase, our other roommate, and we waited a little last minute to book our hotel and everything was sold out and we spent way more than we should have on one hotel room and we shared a king bed the entire time. Still oh. had a blast because it's Coachella, but like really jealous when I saw that you guys were at this fat house. Yeah. So this is actually something that I've been thinking of a lot is like now that I know that things are coming down the pipeline, I'm starting to plan way more in advance. I usually never do that. So Coachella was like the first thing that it was like six months out. I'm like, yo, we need to plan this Mm -hmm. so that this can actually happen the way we want it to. So one of my good friends, Tiana, who's the girlfriend of Casey, who I think, you know, Casey. Yeah, Suckers, Casey, K-A-S-E-Y. She is really involved in the influencer space. She had an influencer marketing agency before. She just knows like a lot of different brands and all that. So she's a close friend. And I was like, we need to do a house with all of our friends at Coachella. We need to pull this off somehow. So about four months ago, she and I made a deck of like what we would offer to a company. And we started pitching it. And eventually she got in contact with DSW, the shoe company, and they were like, we're really trying to activate at Coachella. We don't want to put in the fucking work. So like if you guys are willing to like get all of the logistics and everything, get a house and like pull it, pack it with people, we'll cover it for you. And so that ended up happening and that was great. And so then we got a couple of other brands once we had the house in play. We were like, we want to get some smaller brands like poppy kind of things. And so it ended up being a full trip that was completely free for everybody everybody's working because mm-hmm. you're posting and, sure. and stuff like that but it ended up being a trip where it was like we didn't actually have to pay for anything which for me was just like a really cool it was just like well, this is awesome that we're at this point that that can actually happen yeah and it's good for both because it's like the brand actually gets what they want it's not like we're taking advantage of them like yeah. they get the content that they want for the festival we take a lot of hassle off of their plate and then for us, it's like a win because we all get to go. So yeah. it was epic. So your shoe game was pretty strong if you're working with DSW. Shoe huh? game was yeah. good. Love I got that. some New Balance. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Got to stay comfy at yeah. Coachella. Yeah. A lot exactly. Of exactly. That's great. And you, uh, Sam, was there, right? Sam was there. Uh, her her crew, all of that. Yeah. You just got engaged. Yeah. I got engaged. Congratulations! Congratulations. That's thank huge. Yeah. That's huge. Thank you. I'm stoked. That's awesome. That was uh, it. Was that was like a couple months of planning, pulling that shit off. It was crushed. Yeah, you crushed yeah, it. you did crush Thank it. You. Did she? She loved it. Was she? Surprised? She had she literally no idea, bro. Awesome. We hadn't even talked about engagement. Wow, ever. That's awesome. She knew that I. Uh, she like literally from the moment that I met her, I knew I was gonna marry her. So it wasn't like uh, I already felt like we were married. It wasn't like a. Um, 
I'm, we hadn't talked about in the sense of like, we don't know if we're going to be together. It was just like, I had never really told her like when I wanted to propose or anything like that. And then a couple of our friends got engaged over the last like year and a half. And her family started asking me like outside of with Sam, they were like, what are you thinking? Do you think that you'll probably question soon? They're actually more asking for kids. They're like, we want grandkids. Oh, wow. And so, uh, and so I just started, out. I kind of just started like thinking about it. Mm. And then honestly, like what made me want to do it sooner was I started work started being really good for me. And I started getting that place financially where I was like, oh, I could actually like really do something that I wanted to do and like pull it off. And so when that happened, I was like, okay. I want to make this like really cool and like actually like build out some sort of strategy around how this is going to happen. And uh, so then I put that together for a couple months and then it happened. She had literally no idea. She had no clue. And all of her friends were there. Family was there. So it was cool. So are you a planner? Has this always been something like that? It's so funny because I'm not like I'm not like a long term planner. Yeah. I just think I like just love strategy. And so like when there's like creative ways to do things. I like get amped on it. Um, I'm starting now, like I said, I'm starting to think like longer, like what's going to happen in six months or 12 months that I could plan out now. Cause I never would have before it would have been like, what's tomorrow? Sure. What can I plan for tomorrow? But yeah, that's great. I want to stay on Coachella real quick before we dive into like the earlier stuff. So I think that's something that's so cool. And a lot of kids that are like listening to our podcast are interested in being like creators and doing brand deals and working with brands like that. Can you give me a little bit um, in detail of like, how do you go about reaching to these brands? Like, what are you saying in that initial outreach in the email? And like, what do the deliverables look like? Yeah, um, I think it depends on where you're at as a as a creator. So like, I think just the way that I typically think for anybody reaching out to any brand, I think the two places that we do all of our outreach, this is for me as an influ- influencer, creator, whatever you want to call it. And then also for like any work that we're trying to do as like an agency versus Instagram DM is literally the best place. Any brand that is prioritizing social media is checking their Instagram DMs. So that's the first place. The second place is we will go on LinkedIn and search their company name, look for the person on the, in the company that's running social or marketing or whatever, find their email and then email them directly. But I think like for something like Coachella, you gotta, you gotta reverse engineer it and think about what is this brand looking for that I can take off of their plate? And then that's where they would pay me for it. Because all of these brands, a lot of them are honestly understaffed that they're like, I have so many things on my plate that if I can get something off of it, I would pay for it. And so something like Coachella, it's like, okay, they're really needing content from the festival. And they're also wanting awareness that their brand is at the festival. So that's what we offered for them. It's like, we'll give you, you know, we'll get a photographer that'll come and shoot everybody in your guys's, like for DSW shoes. Mm -hmm. We'll get everybody shot in these shoes So you'll have actual photos that you guys can post on your own channel and look like you guys are like, you know, activating at the festival. And then all of the people that are in our house will actually post on their own channels as well. So you'll get like attention and awareness and all of the stuff that you're actually at the festival, like with these people. So I think it's just like really thinking about like what are brands needing that we can offer to them? And then that's how you Mm -hmm. figure out how to monetize it. Lead with value. And part of the value is having 17 creators, right? It's like, it'd be different if it was just you going to Coachella by yourself and like reaching out to a brand. But the fact that you have so many different influencers that this brand can, you know, get awareness from through everybody's audience, I feel like it's a huge benefit. Dude, like, I honestly think that that's why I'm so stoked. Like that, like I was saying, I was just really stoked to be able to pull it off with Coachella is it's cool for me right now to be like, I have a friend group of people that are doing really cool things like, like you guys, like cool shit that are good fucking people. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's just cool for me to be like, oh, this is something that brands are finding valuable. And this is like a crew that I would go with if we were all paying for it. And so I do think that, uh, that like, you do have to know what you're able to offer. And for us, because people do have followings and audiences that are engaged, it's something that we're able to leverage, which is just like a cool thing. I mean, I think that's just incredible. And it it just shows that what you can do if you band together with your squad, and you yeah. think about ways to get creative around what you can offer to these brands. You've recently had a pretty, not, I mean, kind of recently, you've had a huge career change in your life. And I think that's something that I really want to talk about because like, Kosas and I were saying um, last night when we were brainstorming ideas for this pod, you were a professional hockey player and now you're opened an agency. You're super into social media. I think, in my opinion, that's a complete 180. And I want to go back to when you were a pro hockey player. 
I know that you opened up a hockey company called Triple Deke, mm-hmm. right? Which was essentially for those listening, it was like a Bleacher Report when they're posting all that stuff, specifically for hockey, yep. right? The number one hockey page. How did you, you know, kind of get into social media, and what was the eventual turning point of like, I'm gonna go and leave hockey behind. I'm gonna hang up the skates. And I'm gonna go in into social media. Yeah. So. I honestly think that when I think about like my childhood, the things that really stick out to me when I like go back and and look at at that, it's sports. Hockey was like my main thing. The second thing was creative arts. So I was playing guitar. I was playing piano. My parents put me in like things like dancing. Like Mm -hmm. I was doing all this different creative stuff. And then third thing was the internet. Like I was really into what, as soon as internet came out, I was like spending time on LimeWire and then I look at MySpace as like really being the first one that was like big for me. And then from there, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr mm-hmm. to TikTok. And so I was always kind of like dabbling in those things. And when I was playing hockey, I think that the creative side was my like escape from hockey. I don't look at it as an escape as much as I look at it as like a side endeavor that fueled me for hockey. I think that everybody that there's a lot of people that are one dimensional and are just like, this is my thing. That's all I need. And this is my thing. I'm not one of those people. I'm like, I have hockey. This is my thing, but I also need to be dabbling into guitar or music production or video or like making clothes or whatever it is. So while I was playing, I was always doing those other things. It wasn't until like the last couple of years of my career where I started like where even just social media started being a thing that people could do for a career. It was like Instagram was the first one for us. You guys are like similar ages to me Mm. to where people could really build a business out of their lifestyle and have people follow them. Facebook, you couldn't do that. Twitter, you couldn't do that at the beginning. Um, Instagram was the first one where it was like you could visually show people your life and build off of that. And so when that started happening, Towards the end of my hockey career, the last couple of years, which is like 2015, 16, 17, I started going really hard into my content. Uh, the last year before my the year I retired, I played in Russia and I really started documenting a lot of stuff. And I was living, I played for the Russian army. So I was living in a Russian military base <laughs> oh and wow. I was filming stuff on Snapchat and just like posting like, this is what my dorm looks like. This is what, this is how cold it is outside. It was like negative 30 one day, it was like me walking outside. And so people were following me on Snapchat and it had zero to do with me as an athlete or or as an actual like on ice Mm -hmm. performance. It literally was just like what I'm doing off the ice. And for me with that, I was like, okay, this is showing me that it really isn't dependent on how your stats are or like the sales that you make or like anything like that. It's about the storytelling and about like the documenting of like what you're up to and who you are and like all of that shit. That's what people cared about with me. So that happened and then I met Sam, my fiance now, and she was really starting to go hard into into fitness, health, wellness on Instagram. So my last year of playing, I watched her go from being just like model actress to being, to pivoting and going all in on health and wellness and actually working with brands and turning it into a business. And so I was like, during my whole last career, last year of my career, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go really hard into fitness. I'm going to post workouts. I'm going to work with brands, fitness, health, wellness. I'll incorporate like mentality and that kind of stuff into it. But that's going to be like what I'm going to do. And then when I retired, that is exactly what I started doing. Did you come come back to Arizona where your family is from? Or did you immediately go back to LA? Came back to Arizona, moved in with my family, started my mom's a fitness trainer too. So started like filming in the gym that we had at home there. Sam was in LA. She was like starting to to build. Mm. And I was obviously coming out and visiting her. And then my family was like, yo, we're going to move from Arizona. We're going to sell our childhood home. So you either need to get an apartment that is in Arizona yourself or go move in with Sam in Los Angeles. And so I was like, I'm going to move to L.A. And then I moved to L.A. And then that was that. Oh my! Gosh. And how old were you when you retired? And what was the reason for retiring? I was 20. So it was, it was recent. It was four years ago now. So I was 25 when I retired. Um, and the reason I, I was just over it. I bounced around from team to team. I was never the uh, I was never the best player on the team in terms of skill. I honestly think that I've got better after I retired because That's I was funny. like now having more fun with it. But I was never the most skilled guy. I was kind of what I would consider like a glue guy. I was like a dude on the team that was like I could touch on all different aspects. I could play good offensively. I could play good defensively. 
I could chip in, like I could fight, I could like hit people, I could do whatever was required. I would fucking, fucking I would love <laughs> hockey, dude. Oh, my hot ass would love some hockey, just <laughs> clipping people. But yeah. I'm the enforcer, exactly. And so, I, but I loved the. I was a good locker room dude. Like I loved like pulling people together. I built like the camaraderie of a team, and so that's how I think that I was able to be on multiple different teams and get to different levels rather than just being like pure skill. And so. Um, I was I got cut from a couple of teams. I first I went and played in Russia. Russia was the equivalent of the NHL in that country. So I had reached like what I would consider my pinnacle. It was like I'm not going to play in the NHL. I'm in Russia. I'm playing in the equivalent of the NHL. It's the second best league in the world. I've kind of like scratched that itch of like where I think that I needed to get to of like being like cool. I've I've made it. Um and after that year I came back to the US was fully expecting to sign in the second league in the US, like not in the not in the NHL, but the league right below it, and get like a really serious deal there. And my agent, who was the one that was telling me, like, you're gonna get a deal, you're gonna get a deal. I was just listening to him, fully prepared to, for that to happen. That didn't happen. And because I, like so I didn't get an offer from anybody. And not only did I not get an offer from nobody there, but because we were hoping and he was he was planning on getting an offer there. I hadn't signed anywhere. So all of the next league down had already filled all of their rosters too. So I was like trying to like force myself onto a next level down team. And when I got to like one of those teams that was like, yeah, you can come in for training camp. It just was kind of like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. I was like, what, you know, I'm over this now. I had reached where I wanted to. I'm, if I'm in this league, I'm not going to be playing in the NHL in the US. Like I just was like, now I'm doing it based purely off of enjoyment of the sport. So Am I really enjoying it? enjoyment of the sport or money? Am I really making good money? No. Am I really enjoying it? And when it kind of was like, I'm not really enjoying it anymore. It was just like, it's fucking time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time to just be done. Was there a little bit of like an identity crisis that happened? Like we played baseball, like all growing up. And when that did end and like, I wanted to be a pro baseball player, yeah. like all throughout, you know, and I was like 4'11", my freshman year of high school, like 102 pounds. So it wasn't going to happen, you know? <laughs> um, and you're a little bigger now though. I'm, we're hitting the gym again. Yeah, like glow um, up. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> what what did that look like for you? You know, you end the sport. There's so many athletes that I talk to nowadays, yeah. which is insane. Like, I'm, we were just talking about this guy that's a, he's in the AAA for the Rays, and he's yep. like, I want to make content. I'm like, this is fucking awesome because you should make content because it's so important nowadays. You have the opportunity to. I was like, even if you don't go to the bigs, you know how many kids want to play AAA baseball? It's it's insane, you know? Totally. So talk to me a little bit about if you did have an identity crisis, what that looked like and how you pulled yourself out of that and then eventually went forward with social media. Yeah. You know, uh, the identity crisis for me was not so much that I'm no longer a hockey player. I actually feel like the identity for me was while I was a hockey player, I actually felt like I was more in line with the creators and the creatives than with the athletes. Because like I was saying, I was always doing the extracurricular things on the side and I didn't, I didn't, um, align with the hockey kind of mentality. It's a little bit more old school. It's a little bit more conservative. It's a little bit more, keep your head down, stay in, stay in your lane. Don't brand yourself. Don't put yourself out there. And for me, I was like opposite of all of that. And so I think that the entire time I was playing hockey, that was the thing that I was dealing with of like. I love the sport. I grew up with it. This is my passion, but I just don't agree with a lot of it. So I actually feel like the identity thing for me was when I retired from hockey, now fully having to actually like buy into that and believe that and follow like, oh, I actually do want to follow this creative shit. And now I need to actually like put my money where my mouth or walk the walk the walk. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about this. I've been saying I'm a creator. I've been saying I'm an artist. Now I need to actually execute on it. So I think that that was the challenge for me. And like, I would say like get going through that, like therapy, like I love, I go to, Mm. went to fucking therapy. That was amazing. That helped a lot. Having a support group of people around you helped a lot. Like Sam was a big help. Friends were a big help. Like speaking, like I would be really vocal about like the things that I was dealing with. I honestly will say, uh, my life when I ended, was amazing. I moved to LA. I came here and was like super stoked to be doing Instagram and all the shit that I had been wanting to do. I just don't think that I was prepared to actually be sad about leaving hockey as much as I was because I was so stoked to be doing the content stuff and Sam was crushing it. And so I was like, I know that's going to happen for me too. 
But then it was also like I needed to process the fact that I had just ended a career of mm -hmm. mine and like a life that I had been living for so long. So that was what the challenge was for me. And it was just like a process of just like working through it and like understanding like, yo, that's done. Mourning that. And then also at the same time being like, yeah, but like the end of that has now brought the beginning of the shit that I really want mm -hmm. and like the shit I'm really stoked about. And so that was the way that I navigated that. And then I think like once I started to get traction with the content stuff, like there was probably the first year that I was done, I was still personal training because I wasn't making enough income with the brand shit that it was like, that wasn't my job. So I was doing personal training, which I did not love, but I was like, I'm going to do this because one, it's giving me more content. Like I can film some of these clips and like do that kind of thing. But two, it's, it's somewhat stable and I can leverage this while I am trying to get brand stuff. And then that'll eventually be the thing. But for that first year, I would say it was very rocky for me of income and once I actually started to get momentum with building a following and people like being like, I like your stuff and you're helping me a lot. That was when it became a lot easier for me to be like, I'm happy that I'm done with hockey and it's building now. You changed that, your audience, right? So they're following you for hockey, right? How did that go in your head of like, okay, I'm going to start talking to the camera now. Cause I think that a lot of people out there listening, that first video of you talking to the camera is a huge step of vulnerability of, yeah. you know, cause it's like you're out in public or you're on a walk or whatever. You change your audience to fitness now. How did the audience handle that? And did you lose any at that first little oh switch over? And how did you, how did, and how did you overcome that Horrible. and just kept going? Uh, so I'll say this again, a lot of my audience was following me, be genuinely following me because of me rather than my stats, which is cool because of, because like I was saying, I was documenting living in Russia and all of that, but I was documenting living in Russia, not mm. here's how I scored my goal. Mm. Here's me like, you know, playing in the, like, here's us in the locker room. It was like, here's me, you know, walking through four feet of snow in a parka. And so they, I would say that I did have a fall, a part of my following that just cared about me as a person, which was great. Majority of my following did come from them following me as a hockey player and being like a player on their team that they liked or something like that. And so when I started, I left hockey, I started doing uh, personal training and was still doing like some hockey tutorials and stuff. People really liked it. Then all of a sudden I'm like posting videos about like, you know, in a TikTok house and they're like, what is this? Like, where is like, where is the hockey? Like, especially at a time when TikTok is not what it is now. It's still so fresh and everyone thought it was a dancing app. So oh I could even imagine how much more people were like what the fuck is this dude doing 100 percent. and your tiktok oh shit monster down and your tiktok house wasn't a dancing house like totally, like, yeah. like the hype house or like all those other different content houses totally you know? and so and so i was i realized while i was doing the um while i was doing the fitness health and wellness content as a trainer i was like i like this and i just wellness is just kind of like my foundation so i was like this is in line with what i'm doing but it's not what I want to be doing. And then we started the health and wellness festival called Reset. Me and Sam, which was my first like real business as an entrepreneur, was Sam and I were like working with a lot of brands and a, fr or a lot of our friends were working with brands. And we had friends that were in the influencer kind of space, but we wanted to get them to actually like start taking care of themselves better. And like we had people that were going out a lot and they weren't recovering. They weren't just like taking care of themselves. So we were like, how can we help them do that? without being forceful and like really being like, you need to take this product. Da, da, da. So we're like, let's throw a party. And instead of it be alcohol and drinking and people like hurting themselves, let's have it be the same vibe of a party, but be all recovery. So it's like, there's a DJ playing, but people are, are in Norma tech boots or getting a massage or getting, or doing cryotherapy or an IV or like a, a facial or whatever. But there's a DJ playing and people can go and like mingle and meet brands and all that. That was the that was the first business that I did. When I started doing that, I started realizing that I didn't care as much about talking about health and wellness. It was my foundation, but it wasn't the stuff that really made me feel like fired up. Like Sam mm -hmm. fired up to find a new oatmeal and like let's talk about that. That's awesome. To me, I'm like, this is cool. Like, this is something I'll talk about because I love it. It's better for you. And like, this is people, something people should try, but it's not like that fires me up. 
as much as what I noticed with doing the wellness festival was I love pulling things together and doing strategy around it. I love moving pieces and figuring out how they fit together to do something dope. That was when I really realized like the next thing that I'm going to do, if it's not reset is going to be something within something strategic. And so we had that events company reset the health and wellness one pandemic happened. And when the pandemic happened, then it was like, we can't do the events anymore. TikTok came out. I started posting on TikTok, realized I loved the platform as a consumer first. I was just spending every day scrolling, being like, this is, this content is a billion times better than it is on Instagram. Oh yeah, 100%. And so I loved that. And then I was like, I'm going to start posting my own stuff on here, just really posting the same stuff I'm posting on Instagram and just seeing how it performs. It would 10x the performance on Instagram. So I was like, I'm going to put more time into this. And then my buddy in New York was like, hey, like we should talk about doing something together. And like, I'm popping on TikTok. You're really loving TikTok. Like, let's think about this. And it was middle of pandemic. And we were like, what if we did uh, some sort of a reality show on TikTok and did it in a house for a month? And that was what started the TikTok house. And that was how we started fucking Honey House. Honey House That's TV. amazing. And yeah. okay, before we dive into Honey House, because there's so much to unpack there, I do want to say a few things. One, you trying different ventures as an entrepreneur, I think is so smart. And I think we can relate it to being a creator in general. Specifically, let's take like photo video, right? Mm -hmm. We tell kids to try every different niche of like photo video when you're first starting out because then you learn what you like and what you don't like. Mm -hmm. I've learned that I don't love being a video editor, right? So it's like, I like shooting and I know that. I've done the video editing and I realized like, okay, I can get a video done, but it's not my strong suit, it's not what I love. But I know that about myself. So now moving forward, like we're in the midst of planning um, a new project and I'm like, I don't want to edit it, but I'm bringing Brayden and Chase on and our, and our buddy Sharif to produce it. And, you know, I'm like, okay, where can I add the most value is like, I want to actually film it. And then I'm going to outsource the editing and Brayden loves editing. And so does Chase. So it's like finding, trying a bunch of different things and finding what it is you actually do enjoy and yeah. leaning into mm -hmm. that. Dude, a hundred. I would not be as stoked about what I'm doing right now if I hadn't tried every other thing to realize what I don't want to do. Absolutely. You know, like the, like literally like I was just saying, the health and wellness stuff, like personal training was great. There's so many things from it that I am now implementing into what I'm doing now. But I knew that that once I got a taste of it, I was like, this isn't it for me right now. Then it was like reset and it was it for a little bit, but there was aspects of it that I was like, this isn't it for me now either. And now it's like, okay, I've tasted a lot of different things to know to be much more refined around what it is that I actually really want to be doing. And now I feel like I've found that. And so you have, you, you have to taste things. You have to try different shit out. Yeah. And then it just gives you a better idea of like, okay, this is what I want to go hard into. I also think that content in general, right? Like posting TikTok content, Instagram content, just social media in general allows people to have a career in something they're passionate about without maybe going down, um, the original path that they had. So take a pro athlete, for example. There's so many kids that are like, I want to be a pro athlete and it's either majors or bust. But there's so many other ways to make a career out of something you're passionate and you love than being like the pro athlete. Like you can make content around whatever sport you're into and make a full-time career out of it. I also think it's interesting because, so I'm shooting the Loud Luxury DJ guys. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure like most, if not every single person on their team used to DJ, like <laughs> e me included. So, funny. so it's like, we all have that passion for EDM mm -hmm. and we all used to DJ and we're not the the DJ, but like we're involved in some way, which I think is really interesting. A hundred percent. Yeah, bro. Like I, I just think that you have to like really try different things out and understand. And then once you understand, then it's go really hard into that. And it's not, um, it's not a forever thing. Like there might be a day where I wake up and I'm just like, I don't want to do strategy anymore. And now that's not it for me, but it's got me to the place where the next thing will come. And then you move with that. And like, to your point of like you being able to build off of, off of social media now, like I legitimately think that anybody doing anything in the world can build a brand around whatever they're doing. Totally bro, like, idea. bro, like. Like 100%. being a mom and being a blogger around being a mom is like one of the most benefit, like um, uh, monetary beneficial niches that you can be in. I think that you just, I really think that it's, it's looking at yourself and being like, 
what are the things I'm into? What are the things that I wish more people knew about? What are the things that I actually feel like I could bring value to other people? And that could literally be, that could be gaming. That could be typing. That could be whatever it is. And this is the thing that I want to talk about because I'm passionate about it. And you can figure out a way to monetize it. There's a group of people everywhere in the world. Dude, I was literally scrolling TikTok last night. I was going to bring this up. I'm happy you brought it up for me. I'm scrolling. And you know, at Pike's Place Market in Seattle, how they throw the fish or whatever? Randomly on my page, right? I get another fish guy. And I'm like, this guy's just talking about all these fucking big fish at his little fish market. And I go on his page. 400k and i'm like there's an audience for literally anything dude there's the reptile guys there's the there's the videographers there's the fucking health and wellness guys like anybody and everybody that is passionate about anything can have a career on social media right now and that is the craziest thing i think in our world that is happening right now you don't have to go get a regular job if you don't want to you can literally just make tiktoks about it so true insane I, i also love what you were saying how you go, I might wake up tomorrow mm-hmm. and not be into strategy anymore. I think the idea of having like, you pick a career at 18 or 22, whenever you graduate college, and that's what you're doing for the next 40, 50, 50 years. Yeah. And it's then insane. you retire and you're doing the same thing. It's like, that idea is kind of out the window because of like the internet and social media. If you're like into one thing for a few years, you make a business out of it, whatever it may be, great. One day you might wake up and you're not interested in it anymore and then you pivot. Bro, 100%. And I think that... um our parents didn't have those options. Yeah. And so like, I think that we get taught, we're getting told that from our parents and their parents that you work the job that you have the opportunity to work. And that's the job that you stay with and you're happy with it and you work that and that's it. And I just think that the internet has just flipped that completely upside down. We have options that we didn't have before. And now it makes sense for you to be one multi hyphenated and also and be doing multiple things at one time, testing out different things, but also do one thing for a little bit of a time, realize you don't want to do it and pivot and do something else. And that should be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a different time now. You make Honey House, right? And that's where I met you at. I go work out at Honey House and I nearly died. And I thought that I I was like pretty damn in shape. I was like, I'm feeling pretty hot. You know, I'm getting over here. Everyone's popping shirt. And I'm like, oh shit. Okay, I'll pop through it. We had some beasts in that first episode. <laughs> dude, dude, that these guys good. were these guys were monsters, and the girls are working out so fucking hard. I was like, holy shit! I was like, I'm gonna die. And JT's like, this is a circuit, and I'm like, I can do circuits. Yeah, dude, I work out all the time, every day. And I'm like, we started doing that circuit, and I damn near passed out. I'm like, where's the water break happening, guys? <laughs> can we get a water break going on? But I think Honey House was so interesting because it wasn't just a group of people like working out, which, you know, it was, mm-hmm. you were, had a whole content strategy behind it. In the first house, you were making these yourself, correct? Mm-hmm. And then in the next house, you up it and you hire these incredibly talented creators to help you produce all of this content. And you get the house to a million followers in a month, mm-hmm. which is insane. Talk to me a little bit about making Honey House, the decision to go with your buddy Nick, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay, your buddy Nick, you make it with Nick. And just all the things that spiraled outside of Honey House because of the decision to bring all of these incredible creators together. Yeah. So he at the time when we started, I had just started posting vlogs on YouTube. I w- w- this is in quarantine. I'm at Sam's family's house, and I was like, and Nick, my buddy, he works for Gary Vee, and he and obviously like Gary has vlogs that are crushing it. And so I was like picking his brain on like what I could do to my vlogs. I'm like, dude. My cast right now in my vlogs is me, Sam, her mom, her dad, and her dog. And I'm like, this is not a good cast. Like, <laughs> this, is not, this is not the cast that I want to be having in my vlogs. Um, and I was like, so when this whole pandemic ends, like I would love to do, like I want to do more traveling and like, you know, building out my, my vlogs and making them a little bit cooler. Um, and he was like, you know, we need to just start like a modern day entourage and have it be like a crew of people like Dobrik has his squad Casey Neistat has his squad and like, you know, we could do that with cool people doing cool things and have it be on YouTube and it'd be like all actually like literally like entourage, but genuinely good people, not like degenerates that are like going out and like, you know, ripping the town. Mm. Um, And so that was like, and I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. And then that turned into us pitching that we actually pitched that to a, a network and they were like, hey, if you guys wanted, like Nick knew somebody at a network, he was like, I'm going to call with them, see what they think. They were like, the number one thing you need to do anything like that is drama. And we were like, we don't want that. So what else can we do? Mm-hmm. And that's when he had posted a video that popped on TikTok and he got like 100,000 followers overnight from a video. 
and I was going really hard on TikTok too. And so we were like, what if we did something that was a little different, less drama, more like good vibes, positivity, health and wellness-ish, and we do it all on TikTok. And then that clicked for us. We were like, that's what we should do. And we should do that ASAP because the time that we started having that conversation, Hype House was popping. Sway House had just started. And Sway House is the one that was all the dudes Mm -hmm. that they were just getting shut down from the LA police for throwing parties in the middle of pandemic. And so we were like, there's nobody that's doing an adult house and doing it in where it's like good vibes and family friendly. So we need to come in and we need to do that. And so that was the origin. We rented a house on Airbnb in the hills. We told everybody that was going to be in the house. It's going to cost $2,000 each for the month. But what we're going to try and do is build a platform around it to pay everybody back so that the goal is that everybody gets two month vacation or a month vacation in the hills for free. And we were like, there's no guarantees. Like we might get zero followers from this. Um, but like there's a chance that we work with some brands and it, and it actually pays off. And we any money that we make over top of that, we'll split evenly. Everybody will walk away with it. And we got into the house. I put together on Airtable... Now I use Notion for anybody that's trying to get into that. Big, Notion, big Notion, Notion You're a big Notion, Notion guy. is the best. I need, yeah. to, I need to take a you dive, need to into, dive into Notion. Yeah. But I was before that, I was using Airtable. It's basically like glorified Google Sheets. And I put together a list of like 125 different content ideas just because the context of the house was everybody's going to come into the house and JT's going to tell everybody what to film. And you're, you just need to participate in the filming and hope that it works. And if it works, everybody will get paid. And so I was like, shit, like I can't be like on the fly, like thinking of things. I need to like build this out. So I put together a list of like 120 ideas, built them all out. We got into the house. First 10 days, we had like 11 followers. Like we posted shit, nothing got traction. Nothing that we were doing was working. It wasn't until we posted one, we posted one trend that kind of got a little bit of traction. And then we did this challenge that was like, there was another dude that was doing quarantine olympics with his family and they were in in a house and they were doing like household objects kind of challenges i remember that that was great which is amazing we were like this is like really cool because anybody can do it and it's fun it's family friendly let's do something like that but let's do it whereas guys versus girls in the house so we did that that first video popped for us and so we were like we need to film another one right now and post another one and the second one popped for us and we went from like zero followers to like 9,000 and then from 9,000 to like 36, 85, 117, 217, 317. And in a matter of like, so the first 14 days in the house, we had probably got to like 9,000. And then the second 14 days, we went from 9,000 to 500,000. And so in the second half of the, the house, we had one video, people were started asking about the cast because the difference between what we did, the model that we did, and the model that others did is we weren't dependent on actual popular creators. Whereas all of these hype house, sway house, all of them, they bring in popular creators to collab with one, one, one of another and they use their audiences to boost the house account. For us, we went with no name creators because we wanted people to actually care about the house account rather than care about the individuals. And so it, that, that model works way better long term. Because the other model that everybody else is doing, the creators get bigger than the house and then they don't care about the house and the house falls apart. So we were like, this is the only way to sustain it is to have people that aren't trying to be popular creators themselves. So people started asking, who are these people in the house? What are their usernames? We don't know any of these people. And so I made a video that was like, here's the people in our house. And the jobs that are in the house are pretty ridiculous. Like somebody's an actual meditation coach. Sam's a fitness YouTuber. The most LA like, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Dio's like a strategist <laughs> in, in, with VaynerMedia. And so it's like... He's like outside crisscross applesauce. Exactly. Like, yeah. It was like some ridiculous jobs. And so that video got picked up by Barstool. Barstool posted it. And when Barstool posted it, it was like all hell broke loose. Like good and bad. We were getting absolutely flared in the, in the, in the, like, dude, like we were getting DMs, we were getting death threats, we were getting people need to burn this house down. We were like, everybody's like, this is the worst house in America. And then on the other end, people were like, this is the only TikTok house that seems sane. And yeah. like, this is the only TikTok house where they're not destroying things. And, and so it was like good and bad. But from that day of everything breaking loose, we ended up getting E! News reaching out to us saying, we want to do a story. We had um, Business Insider hit us up saying, we want to know how you guys are navigating all of this, like how you guys built this whole whole strategy out and everything. 
So there was a bunch of good that came from it. That first month we went to 500,000. We got, the house was booked the month after. We wanted to stay in it and just keep it rolling. And we asked the dude, can we stay here? He was like, I already sold it. I already rented it out to the next person. So we had to take a break. We took a break for about three and a half weeks, went and kind of recollected our thoughts, decided what we wanted to do for season two. And we were like, let's up it for season two, actually bring in production for season two to help me. Cause I was, I was ideating, filming, editing, posting, and acting in every video, five videos a day on TikTok in season one. I was a little bit tired after season oh, one. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and so and people season- people are gonna be like, oh, just five videos no, a day on TikTok. They don't get it. People don't get it. And it's yeah. not a video that's like a trend. Yeah. It's like a fully it's, like a, pro- it's the it's full yeah, set yeah. produced. Guys, three, two, one, ready, action. Like yeah. really like serious. And people are have dude, the people in the house had jobs and they're yeah. like, you were filming at dude, night, right? Yes. And you're like, hold everyone, get your fucking game faces yeah. on. We're ready to film TikTok. I don't so care if you're tired. Bro, I would wake up, I would wake up at 7 30 and I would go around to every person in the house and be like, What's your schedule for the day? When do you have an hour for us to do this challenge? When like and so it'd be like people would work we had a couple people that worked straight up nine until five. And so pretty much every day it ended up being like 5.30, we're going to be able to do something. So I, throughout the whole day, would be editing from the day before, posting from the day before, and then looking through our ideas and coming up with new ideas, and then going out and getting objects, like getting household objects to do the challenge with, coming back, setting up the set, and then at 5 o'clock they would be done, and I would have to wrangle everybody and be like, all right, guys, I know you're tired. Like, we got one challenge. I need an hour from you. It's going to be good. Da, 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 da. Remember in the last video, like, Nick, you were pissed at Bia for this. And like, you know, so pulling all of that together and uh, and then filming it. And then I would, after that, I would try to edit one of the, we would try to film like three or four from that night. I would edit one of them that night before going to sleep so I could post it and then wake up and then post another one and then edit and post another one in the morning. So it was a very intense uh, month for me. And so season two, I was like, to my business partner, Nick, I was like, I need it to be less intense for me. It's like, I need this to be like, I need, I need to have a little bit more support on the content. So you're we like, hired. You're like, I'm the glue guy. Like I'll bring everyone <laughs> yeah. together. Right. Yeah. Like this, but I, like, I need a little JT's help. Like, and that dude, he's like, you keep digging. <laughs> and dude, you're managing people's it's, you're living in a house. Yeah. So it's not like you're mm-hmm. showing up at a set and then yeah. you go home, you have your personal time. So you're also balancing like People are sharing bathrooms. People are like, oh. you know, bunking up together. So there's a lot that goes into it that we were like trying to manage because we're trying to have everybody feel good about the month because it's the middle of a pandemic. They're taking time. They were paying for it in mm-hmm. season one. So I wanted it to be an enjoyable experience. So there's just a lot of things that we had to balance, which we did a really good job of. And then season two, we upped it a little bit. We had a production team that helped us, lived in the house too. Um, we actually paid for the house ourselves Nick and I, and then we were like, anything that we, like we'll pay pay our house off, we'll pay the cast, so everybody will be actually be talent, they'll walk away with pay for sure, and then any brands that we work with, we'll actually like try to take our cost back from that. Um, both season one and season two, we ended up breaking even, and season two we made a tiny bit to be able to pay off um, uh, some people that helped us fund it. Season one, the main thing, main takeaway is, we did end up working with a brand in the last week that was like, we love what you're up to. We want to pay for some videos for you to actually incorporate us. They had cans. So we used their can for a couple of uh, games and they paid us back. So we ended up being able to pay everybody in the house and be nice. like, this was a, everybody walked away with a little bit of money. And, uh, and then we walked away with the platform being at 500. And then the second one, we walked away with it being at over a million. Incredible. I was going to yeah. ask if it was profitable. Yeah. And it sometimes the um the benefit doesn't always have to be monetary right Mm -hmm. i feel like so much more comes from you know getting to live in this really cool house building the connection with the other creators and building something bigger and like yeah it's great if you like profit from it but sometimes there's more benefit than just a monetary yeah i think it's dependent on everybody's uh what they're what they look at as success so we had people in the house that were like I would pay $5,000 for this and I don't care about any of it back because this has been the best month and we love all of you and these relationships and all of that. And then we also had people in the house that were like, hey, if I do this again, I'm going to need more money. And so it really is dependent on like what each person was looking for. Um, I personally was like, bro, it was amazing. I would have paid 20 grand to be able to do that. And, and the win for us was building the house channel rather than actually getting it to be uh, to make money off of the month. 
And so I think we were able to kind of like meet with each person and be like, what do you want from it? And then reassess and be like, okay, this person is really looking for this to be like a paid thing. And then this person doesn't really care as much. Let's meet each person where they're at so that everybody just feels good. Do you have advice for someone if they wanted to start a content house? Jeez, dude. I literally met somebody last night that is that ha- owns one right now. And I was asking him his model. And he was like, big time creators. I pull them in. They collaborate. They have deliverables for the house. And that's how they... And I'm just like, that doesn't work. Because the big creators can literally make what the house is making from one single post. And you're trying to pull them in and have them really care about building your account. And it's just as soon as any of them realize that the rent on one of these places that they're living in, they could probably afford if they do a couple of brand things or a brand would cover it for them in order for them to have their own place. It's just a really hard model to keep doing. So I would say for any creator house that is starting, you have to do it in the way that we did it where it's continually shifting cast. So it's season one, it's like cast is, you know, Jimmy, Sarah, Steven, Mm -hmm. season two, completely different, completely new so that you're not dependent on the cast and their audience and you're building the house channel. That's the way that I would do it. If I were to do it again, I think the way we did it really executed on it. Well, I would say for anybody that's actually trying to do a content house, I would highly consider not doing it because of just how much work it is. Whereas renting a studio, like even doing a peer space of a house and going and having everybody meet there for a day of a week and filming all batching all of the content for a week and then being like, cool guys, see you next week. But it probably works a lot better because what people don't realize is in a content house, the main thing that you're dealing with is individual human beings lives Mm -hmm. rather than the content. That's not the hard thing is getting the content. It's the fact that this person doesn't really love living with this person. And so they don't want to be in the content. So now the content is challenging and you have to have that deliverable and now they're pissed about it. You know, it's just all that completely. So is season three going to happen? No, mm-hmm. we actually are in the process of selling the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that will actually be We're actually going to be completely done with it. Both him and I are at a place now where we're like, we really love the shit that we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're stoked about it and we don't really feel like we need to do it another season. So it's like the right time for us to just hand it off. So post post honey house, you you're very into the creative space creators. You change your content a little bit again to now you're going with like social media tips. You're making a ton of content on TikTok. Like every day you're going super hard at TikTok. One video a day or multiple. You were going like at a time. Three, three. Yeah. ideally. Yeah. yeah. You were ripping content. You, pop, on my, you yeah. pop up on my For You page more than anybody else. And it's great. I love hearing that. That's awesome. That's <laughs> good. I love hearing that. That's it's good great stuff. to hear. Let's go. So you've, you, you know, we finished the honey house. Yeah. How do you go about this TikTok agency that you created? Kind of, you said, like fell into your lap with all these creators that are reaching out to you. And then you're consulting with brands and you're, they're like, we need creatives. You're like, holy shit, green light. I have these creators that are hitting me up all the time. I have these brands that need creators. I'm going to make a company. What does that look like? We yeah. were also joking last night. We were saying consulting is a hack. It's the most bred for like, not that much work mm-hmm. if you're an expert in, in, in your field yeah for sure yeah for sure because with consulting people when you get to higher levels of people that have done business and all of that before they realize that the time that they're going to spend mm-hmm. learning shit yep. and like fucking it up it can be expedited by paying somebody that is an expert at it for just their time to teach you with the things that you don't need to do mm-hmm. and so don't need to do or need to prioritize And so 100%, you're absolutely correct on that. The way that I got into it was in the last season, the last week we had a brand deal with Poppy Mm -hmm. with this drink. And they were like, "We, you need to make a bunch of content for our page, for Poppy's page. And then also in that, you guys have to help us do strategy for, for organic for Poppy for a month. And with the content that we made, we filmed a bunch in Honey House, sent it off to them. They posted it. None of it worked. And this is like another reason why my thesis of of what we'll get into is so serious for me. None of the content that we made for them worked. So then we do the consulting and we're like, we need to like really hammer this consulting because we feel bad. None of the content worked. Mm. It paid us all that. And so in the consulting, I was like, look, maybe you just need to tell your story and like talk about it into the camera. You have a really interesting story. You were on Shark Tank. Tell the story. Use green screen. Show the clips behind you of like when you were on it. And like, let's see how that works. 
And that one video that she posted sold more cans of Poppy than the day that they aired on Shark Tank. This is an organic video on TikTok. This is literally no paid. There's no advertisement. This is her holding the can, talking about her founding story that didn't just get it didn't just get millions of views. It broke their sales record for the day that they aired on Shark Tank. That for me was an aha moment of holy fuck. TikTok is not just an awareness platform, which is what me and my business partner were, were proposing to every brand when we were pitching. We were like, hey, we don't know if anybody's going to buy your drink, but it's going to be seen by 5 million people for sure. When this happened with Poppy, I was like, this is a conversion platform as well. You can actually sell on it if you do it right. So I want to go really hard into doing this and teaching people how to do it. So that's what I started doing. I started reaching. She in, introed me to a couple other brands. I had a couple of people hitting me up saying, can I, can you teach my brand how to do it? So I took on a couple of those clients and all of them just kind of popped at the same time. And so that for me was like, this is something that I'm going to really build a team around and a business around and all of that. Um, when I started having conversations with a lot of those brands, the main pain point that they had was I want to film content, but I don't have the time. And I, because I'm the founder or the head of marketing, I don't even want to like have this undertaking, but I really believe in everything you're doing and we want to do this. Do you know anybody that would want to film TikToks for us and we could hire them and they could be our person? And I was like, geez, like there's a lot of people that are asking me that. And I'm already making videos now about business and TikTok and all of that on my own platform. I'm literally just going to go make a video that says if there's anybody in LA that wants to do this. So I make a video that says if you're in Los Angeles and you want to make TikToks for a brand, not as an influencer, not as like a you post it to your own account, like you run their account like Jake from State Farm or mm-hmm. Flo from Progressive. Like, will you go and enter your info on this form? Because I have a, a fuck ton of brands that are just asking me for these people. I thought I was going to get like 50 people. I would be stoked at 50. I'd be like, this is amazing. I woke up the next morning to 1,500 people on that list that were in LA, that were TikTokers, that had legit, like had real creative skills that wanted to do this for brands. And so when that happened for me, I was like, okay, this needs to be a, another arm of my company that's like the recruiting and and handing off to brands. And I was like, these are the two things I'm gonna do. I'll do a strategy for the company if they have somebody that can film it already. If they don't have somebody that can film it, I'll find them a TikToker, hand them to the brand who will hire them, and then I can do strategy with that creator who's now running the brand's account. That's what we do today. It's fucking <laughs> insane. Yeah. So cool that you took that, the opportunity that came from you from both these directions, like let's merge this together and let's make something great here. And now you have a thriving agency. That's How awesome. long did yeah. it take you to get through the 1500 people yeah. that applied? So that 1500 people has now turned into now it's like six or 7,000. And the, and we have a, an internal team that with, along with me, we review them a hundred a week each of looking at like that we we have like a kind of like a rating system mm. of like a variety of content like do they build a community are they brand safe like a handful of different things that we rate off of and we go through every single person that applies and then before we hand anybody to a brand i go through the entire list of people that have applied and look at all of the ones that we could potentially hand off and then we hand them off so that every single person that comes through us is looked at by our team you built out this team and I think it's super important to talk about like delegating as a business owner, as an agency owner, because you have people that in our niche specifically, they're going at brands, right? And they're like, why can't I get a 10 K video? And I'm like, dude, cause you're just one fucking person. You're not, you know what I'm saying? We have a squad of people. You have anywhere from 10 people that I could bring to something. And that's why brands are willing to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to make mm-hmm. one video, you know? And so people don't understand that. Talk to me about building your team and what you look for in the people that you brought have brought onto your team and how many employees do you have right yeah. now? Yeah, um, I have three uh, employees and then I would say that I have probably about four or five uh, independent contractors that do a good amount of stuff. So probably fully it's right around 10-ish. Nice but only three that are like every day with me Mm -hmm. all day. I'm trying to build a team that is like the fucking Avengers that people are like every person on this. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't right now. I don't feel like I want a 500 Mm. person agency. I want a team of like 15 that when any, anybody meets that person, they're like, these guys are assassins. Mm -hmm. These guys are insane at what they do. Mm -hmm. And so what I look for is first and foremost, good people. um, Cause I think like, you have to enjoy the people that you're spending a lot of your time with. So I look for, for people that are just like genuinely seem like they're good people. That's the first thing. 
Second thing is like their skill set, like they're, have they done something like this in the past? And if they haven't done something like this in the past, are they super, super, super interested in this to the point where their passion will get them to learn all of the shit that they need to learn? Um, and then from there, it really is just like, it's a trial and error. Like I, I, I absolutely despise firing people. It's the worst. I hate it. It crushes my soul. Mm-hmm. But like, I have to fire people if it's the if it's not the right fit for them or for me. And so I'd say I take risks on people. I take gambles on people, and then I do trials where it's like a couple of months, and we see how we, it fits for each other. And if it doesn't work, then you move on and you mm-hmm. try to find somebody else. But the team that I built right now is all super amazing individuals that anybody that meets them outside without me in person will absolutely fall in love with them. And when they get behind a computer or get into an office setting, they're absolutely demolishing what they do. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I also think it's really cool. Like you didn't say anything about checking if they had a college degree or mm-hmm. anything like that. I don't that. give a fuck exactly. about a college degree. Yeah. Fuck that. I don't care about a college degree. I also don't care about as much I don't care about where you worked at before, like the actual company. Mm-hmm. Um, I care about your skill set. Like one of the things that I ask when people come in is like, hey, show me anything that you've done that is related to the stuff that you are going to be doing here. And that could literally be like somebody being like, yeah, I'm a gamer. And like I set up streaming and like I built a, a little like community of people that's like in a group chat of 500 people. I'd be like, that's cool. It shows that you built a little community. Mm. You know how to do tech stuff. Like literally anything. It doesn't need to be professional. Just something that shows me that like the skills that this job is asking for, like you have that cap- that capability. And I don't even look at, I don't look at a resume at all. I look at, you know what the resume I look at? Huh. Instagram. I, I look at their that. Instagram. I look at their, if they have a TikTok, I would look at their TikTok. I think eventually that'll be more of the, where people are posting more. But I, I mainly it's Instagram and then vibes in person. I love it. Yeah. It's incredible. For someone interested in being that flow from progressive person for a brand, right? You said you've hired or you've connected 30 plus creators with mm-hmm. brands. What does that pay look like? Because I'm sure people are like, oh, like that seems great. But like how much can I actually make from that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um like typically what we see is, so what everybody's coming into the context with is that they need to make a video every day. So say that's 30 videos a month. What we see the average that people are writing in because they, they write in on the back end when they're submitting, I am John Smith, I would make for 30 videos a month, I would charge this. They write that in. Mm-hmm. The average that we see is $3,000. That is also the average that a brand is looking to pay. When it gets past that like 5,000 mark for the creator, the brands kind of get a little bit like hesitant. And granted, a lot of the brands that we're working with are are not at the place where they're like Coca-Cola and they have just exponential money to spend. And also I would say those bigger ones probably think that they could get away with a lot cheaper because of their brand recognition. It's like brands like Poppy that are hyper growth. They're crushing it. A lot of people know who they are in LA and like they're starting to spread to the rest of the, U- the US. Um, and a lot of them are like, that three to five range sounds really good for them. And I think that the creators, it's dependent on them as a creator because you could find a college kid that is literally just like, I would make, we have kids submitting that are like, I would get paid 400 bucks for 30 videos. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you need to charge more. Yeah. But they're like, I would charge 40, 400 bucks because it's TikToks and like, that's cool. And that's what I want to do. And I just would love having fun doing it. And then we have people that are like bigger creators that have a million followers that are like, I want 20K to do this. And so it's kind of like the sweet spot that I think for both the creator and for the brand is creators that are in that like 10K to like 100K range that just haven't found a way to fully monetize their own thing. And they're not as dedicated to them being their own brand as they are okay with being the face of another brand, getting that recognition and getting that stable income. Anybody that's like, I want to be the next Logan Paul. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't be the face of the brand. One go really billion, hard into your yeah. own shit. Find a way to monetize something on the mm-hmm. side and like go into your own shit. But a lot of the creators that come to us are like, look, I don't really care that much about being a global celebrity. Like I just want to make money making content and like do my own thing. And for those, it's like, you don't even have to post on your own account. You could literally run this brand's account, delete your TikTok once you're hired and not make content ever again and be invisible in the world as a creator influencer and run their TikTok and that's and makes great income. And that's, I think, a cool option for a lot of people. I fucking love that. Where, where do you see TikTok going right now? 
Because this is, I think this is the big, it just passed, you know, a few months back, it passed Google, it passed YouTube. I mean, this is the, this is the number one app where attention's at right now. It's on TikTok yep. and the reach is insane. Like you could post a video with 20,000 followers and I could wake up and it could have a million tomorrow, which is un- not a thing on Instagram. Or it could have it could 200 have, and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to go like fuck six. myself. Yeah. And the ones that you try harder <laughs> yeah. on it usually is a, exactly every single yeah. time. So w- where do you see this Megatron of an app going that was a dancing app when it started dude it just seems like right now it's eating everything like it seems like it is just like swallowing whole other industries completely in one bite uh i just heard two days ago that it's quickly rising as the number one search engine and i haven't i'm not somebody that goes and searches Mm -hmm. a lot but if you go into your if you go into your search page today you will see that when you start to right when you're about to type something and you tap the little area to type in the search uh, thing, um, suggested searches come up of keywords. And before it didn't used to do that. So it clearly is people coming in looking up like orange hoodie mm-hmm. TikTok and like or like you know drink like prebiotic soda drink TikTok. Now I'm seeing that it's becoming the number one search or a bigger <laughs> search engine. So for me, I'm like I have no idea where they stop. Netflix is down, down, bad, big, 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 bad, and uh, you know there's something to say that people are scrolling on TikTok rather than watching Netflix. I know TikTok added the 10 minute feature that not a lot of people are using. I don't know if I ever see it getting to the point where it's like people actually use that. Totally agree. But they definitely are trying to eat away at different things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. I just think that it's so powerful. You can learn anything, dude. That I've literally done multiple recipes and I don't love to cook. And I've done multiple recipes from TikTok from the guys that are the cooking guys. I love cooking. Yeah, TikTok. I love the, the, the Oh the, my the, god. The, dude, there's a, there's literally an <laughs> Everything is on. T- you got the horse yeah. girls. You got the soap ASMR dudes at 4 a.m. The ASMR people. It's insane. It really has shown that this is like another reason why my thesis of anybody can be building a brand around anything is so impact is just so like clear to me because when I scroll on TikTok and I see somebody on live that has a treadmill and he's rolling uh, he's rolling pool balls. <laughs> against one another doing a race and I look at his page and he has 800,000 people that are following him and putting money on these races I'm just like you can do anything it really comes down to the 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 value that you bring your audience and the way that you do the content and like from there it's like dude you can turn anything that you want into a career and so I just think that people should really look at the stuff that they're actually genuinely interested in and try and build around that rather than looking at the things that have worked in the past and being like, I need to be a travel person or I need to be this. Just do the things that you enjoy and like you can really build around it. I was getting, my next question was like advice to a kid who like, advice to a kid who hasn't started TikTok yet that wants to get into it. And then also advice to a kid who's started TikTok but hasn't seen the success that they want. But I feel like you just answered that. Yeah. Start For the kid that hasn't, I would, the first thing I would do is be open the app and scroll and find or search people that you already like, like creators that you already like and look at things that they're doing or styles of content that you really like. Like we were just talking about like cooking. Like if you're a kid that's like, I love cooking. Like I think I kind of want to be a creator. I don't know where to start. Go on TikTok, search search the hashtag cooking or type in search cooking videos, whatever, recipe videos and just see how people are doing it and see what like sparks your interest. Like maybe you watch one of those and you're like, I want to do cooking with voiceovers and this is exactly what I want to be doing and I've been and now I find it. So I would just say just spark your interest by going and scrolling. I even to this day when I'm like I don't know exactly what I want to put out right now, go and scroll and get inspired and like look at other people's shit and be like, "Oh, that way he did mm-hmm. that was really cool. Like that's interesting." So the person that hasn't started, you got to go do a little bit of research and homework of just being a consumer and consuming. To so the person that has started and it hasn't worked yet, I also would say find people that have it working for them and look at the ways that they're doing things. That doesn't mean verbatim go and copy exactly what they're doing, but just look at the styles or the framework or the way they're doing hooks or like just different with the ways that they're doing things and see if you can learn from that to add it to yours. Because a lot of the times it's just trial and error, trying different shit out, and then something just pops, and then you roll. Definitely. What advice would you give as we close out the pod to your 18-year-old self? Little 18-year-old JT, hockey guy. It's going to go on this road. What do you say to him? 
I got asked this like a couple of days ago on a different pod for like maybe three or four year older version of myself. And I think it's the same thing that I would literally just tell myself, you fucking know it. Like, you know yourself, you know what you're going to do. Keep following your intuition, what you want, put blinders on to what other people want. That doesn't mean cut people out of your life. Like, that doesn't mean like stop talking to your dad or your coaches or your co or like your friends or whatever. It means listen to them in the sense that they know what's right for them, but they don't know as well as what's right for you. You know what's right for you. So just go more internal and just believe that and follow that because you're fucking on it. Come on, let's go. God, that where gets, where can the people up. find you on social media? Everything for me is JT at JT Barnett, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram, all of them. There it is. Come say what up. That was one of my favorite episodes I think we've ever done. We That's, could have kept talking for I, a I while. Could do, I, I could do this for like another hour, 100%. But we're going to have to get out of here very quickly because, ladies and gentlemen, that is wraps episode number 27 of the 505 podcast. If you're still here, please take a screenshot on your story, lob it up for JT Barnett, Kosas G, and B Figgy. And we'll see you guys all next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.